0: Today on Breaking the Dice, Michelle, Paul, and Jay discuss the game taking Kickstarter by storm, a few quick thoughts on Gamma, our top five games, and finally, a few games that we used to really love but have become eh.
1: Hey gamers, this is Michelle with Breaking the Dice, and I'm here with Jay, Wika Wika, What's Up? (laughs) And Paul. Hey everybody. And tonight, we are going to talk about some of our favorite games, just to introduce ourselves. And also, we're going to talk about games we used to love. Um, first off, though, we have got to address the explosion that is Rising Sun. I cannot believe how fast this thing funded. Jay, how, fa- how long was it up?
0: Um, so, in the first 30 minutes, it was up Tuesday morning, it, or afternoon, I guess. It was funding at three hundred dollars a second. That's crazy. Which for a hundred dollar game to me is is, is pretty spectacular. Um, yeah, that's
2: three games a second. That makes sense, right?
0: Yeah, right. Right now it's sitting at one point eight million as of the recording. Oh my gosh!
1: Do you think this will be like the highest funded? Do you think it'll kill Kingdom?
0: No, there's no way it kills Kingdom Death Monster. The big difference with with this and Kingdom Death Monster was Kingdom Death Monster had a two hundred and fifty dollar entry th- spot, so to start out you had a you had a minimum two fifty and then with all the extras that you could add on like the highest tier was between a thousand and two thousand or more. oh my it was just ridiculous, so the amount of backers that it took to get to that twelve and a half million wasn't all that many compared to like what exploding kittens got to
1: yeah
2: yeah and that had like a 40 dollar buy-in
1: are there do they have the stretch goals and all of that up because at first they didn't even have any stretch goals it just hit to like stupid money and there wasn't even stretch goals up
0: yeah so i got on within the first 30 minutes and was trying to back it which was horribly slow i think i think it was crashing the kickstarter site as all the as all the gamers were hitting the the site to try to back rising sun on the board um, game
1: group on the board game group it became a race to see who could fund first
0: yeah it was it was just crazy i was going to the site it would barely load i was just hitting the back this project and <laughs> once i would hit that it would t- show me what the pledge level was and there was only one pe- pledge level thankfully and so i would pledge that level and then i hit back and it took another two minutes to load the next page to actually allow me to back the project.
1: So why is this game, why do you think this game is such a grail game right out of the gate? Like, why do you think people are so crazy about this
0: game? So to me, the, the big draw of this game is Eric Lang and well, yeah. the hits Eric Lang has had so far. The, the love for blood rage that there was and the, that this is kind of that next su- successor to blood rage. The miniatures look fabulous there's so much detail in some of these miniatures it is crazy and the stretch goals to unlock more miniatures everybody's kind of coming around to what cool mini or not is as a kickstarter it's back this project so you can get all these kickstarter exclusives otherwise you're never going to get this this information you're never going to be able to get these miniatures some of these extras if you don't back this kickstarter you're going to wait a year for this but you're never going to get the have the option to get these things without paying massive prices from basically board game scalpers to get that.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm really excited. I'm excited to play it. Not quite as excited as you guys, but I'm really excited to play it. We also have some other exciting things. Welcome everybody who's listening. This is our first episode so want to say something i've got jay here who is going to gamma so that's also some cool things going on um are there anything in particular is there anything in particular in gamma you're looking forward to
0: yeah so i'm really looking forward to what the companies are, are bringing out for the next year um simon especially i mean we just talked about rising sun oh
1: come on it's got to be pandemic legacy season two right like that's got to be the thing
0: yeah, but everybody has a good game coming out this year. I mean, there's going to be... Every year has been building up on the amount of games and the quality of games that are coming out. And yeah, Pandemic League is, Season 2 is going to be a great game, and there's been some rumors about what what's in it on some of the other podcasts from conversations that have happened, and it sounds really good. But there's just so many games coming out that it's hard to say that that is necessarily going to be the best game this year. You know, season one was so great, but can they follow it up?
2: Just being a sequel, just be just that nature. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to follow the first one and, and come up with a lot of new and interesting ideas and kind of beat out the, um, you know, the, the surprise and the, you know, the gameplay that was in the first one. Like, I I like that it looks like they're going in a, a different direction with, season two uh, and I don't I don't know that it's necessarily going to be better than season one like I don't think it's going to yeah. have the same kind of pull
1: so Paul what are you th- you're a big pandemic fan so what are your thoughts about so the rumor mill is is that it's going to be 70 years after this after season one and it's going to be almost be like a post-apocalyptic style what what I mean do you think that's going to be a great direction to go
2: I personally think it's great you know, my feeling is if if you're going to be doing something that you're gonna have multiple multiple seasons of, multiple runs, you know, I you, you kind of get the feeling that okay, the first one has to do a little bit of everything. You know, it has to has to really show off what, what we can do. The second one, you get to bring in a little bit more creativity, a little bit more of that artistry. So I think it, it it has the potential to be something that's a little bit different, a little bit unusual, and it might not it might not grab the same audience that a than a more traditional pandemic game does but at the same time i think that's what's going to make it really good you know and it, it, it's something it's a legacy game so you play yeah. it once you're done you know maybe you'll play it again but you're probably you're you're, you're probably done you're probably going to do one run and that's it and then um you know and then that was an experience you had and then if you liked it you know then there's what, what's season three going to be so so you know I'm 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 very interested in in the different direction that they're going if they were doing the same thing as season one, then it's just a a contest to see what kind of new weird things can they come up with that they haven't already pulled from expansions.
1: It seems like they're actually progressing a a large overarching story, is kind of what you're saying.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a great idea. I'd I'd love to see where it goes and if, if they decide to you know move it in some other direction for season three i think that's a great idea too you know we we recently picked up uh pandemic iberia and, and that is I, a beautiful game yeah it you know the gameplay is it very feels very much like pandemic but just the the artistry that they brought into that it's it's a beautiful game i really enjoy it
1: awesome that's that's great i i can't wait to see what comes out of gamma and origins and then we're going to be going to gen con as a group and so I think this promises to be a really good year with the things that are coming out on Kickstarter. Obviously, we've got the uh, you know Rising Sun has been a big deal. Champions of Midgard's coming out with their expansion and their big box uh, insert to put everything. Uh, there's just been some really great Kickstarters, and I think that just f- foreshadows kind of what we're going to be seeing this year.
0: Black Orchestra just did a second printing Kickstarter. Or a second edition Kickstarter, so that was...
1: Vast is just now wrapping up theirs, and they had an amazing Kickstarter. So, with that, I do want to go ahead and let's get into the topic of tonight. Uh, Once again, like I said, we're just going to introduce ourselves and talk about kind of our top five. Now, I'm a pretty wishy-washy cult of the new gamer, so this can change next month, depending on what I play. But I'm going to say right now, for me... Um, my top five, starting at five, is Robison Caruso. Um, great co-op, really gives you the feeling of down to the wire, and that every single decision you make as a team in that game is either your best move or worst move ever. Um, followed by that, I'm gonna say Cosmic Encounter, um, although it makes me lose friends sometimes. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Arcadia Quest uh, especially with the the new the new one that speaking of Kickstarters that just came out you cannot beat the miniatures, the artwork the stab your buddy in the back and then steal his weapon that he was trying to get and then murder other people with it Um, Dead of Winter for my number two and then number one I have Pandemic Um, I would like to add in Pandemic Legacy and everything that is Pandemic basically under that same umbrella (laughs) Um, what do you guys think?
0: Um, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with Pandemic. I don't personally yeah, put it it's, number it's, one.
2: It's almost its own genre at this point, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, it, it, so many different tough. flavors. It, it we- is kind of the bacon of of board games. You know, <laughs> they put out they put out a lot and all the different flavors. It, it's starting to feel like they might be reaching a little bit too far. And I'm sure there's people that don't like it that think they they did that long ago. But yeah, yeah all the different. You know all first of all having the main game with all these different expansions then you have all the the different varieties and, and things like that and now yeah with the second season of legacy and Iberia and Cthulhu and you know it's it's it, it, it's a lot
1: yeah uh, it's almost getting to be it's yeah like you say almost its own genre we can do a mm-hmm. top 10 pandemic games almost it's... yeah
2: just yeah just about I think you could probably <laughs> pull that off
1: so uh, what about you Jake what's your top five?
0: So number five, I, I put viticulture on here. Um, just from the worker placement, the artwork. It was just such a well-rounded game that it really hit hit top five for me. Mm-hmm. Love the way it plays, love kind of the aspect to it. Um following that up pretty closely with Scythe, just an amazing game this year. Such great artwork. Um, winning awards across the board for 2016 oh, yeah. because it was just so well made. Um, I actually picked up an expansion for it just to add in some other characters into it to kind of give it even more replayability. There and both of those um,
1: games kind of took me by surprise because I never put myself in a Euro game person. I'm never been a big, you know, never thought I'd be a big fan of it. But both of those games really kind of made me see. Um, a good
0: Euro. Number three for me is is the Pandemic IPO, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, that is everything <laughs> Pandemic. I don't um, know, I liked
1: the bacon of board games, That's I like that.
0: It, it has really gotten that name. <laughs> really, really secured that. Um, regular Pandemic was always great. I've actually gotten to where I don't enjoy Regular Pandemic as much, with Cthulhu Pandemic, which plays a lot quicker and it is to me almost more fun than the original oh really in some ways um i haven't played the newest one the iberia pandemic but legacy for the story was just hands down an Mm -hmm. amazing game Mm
1: -hmm. yeah you Um, can't beat
0: it i can't put it number one today because it's a one-time story that was great but it was a one-time thing yeah and so that was two years ago now and There's you really so many can't better games now that even are if you replayable. take
1: i know that a lot of people talked about well if you buy another copy play it with some other friends or whatever but i don't think even if you do that you're, for you personally you're never going to get that same experience cuz even yeah. if you don't remember exactly what comes up or you're you know going to let the rest of the team kind of make those crucial decisions and while it would be cool to see like okay well how do these people handle it versus the people i first played it with um it'd be interesting to see I think it, I think you distinctly lose something the second or whatever run through of it.
0: You lose that excitement and that suspense of not knowing what's around the corner um, that you get that first time you play it mm-hmm. when you find out that you know somebody's a traitor or that this is happening. And what? You, not just, that
1: that would happen. We would never just spoil a game you by
0: surprise. <laughs> and so, I mean, that alone is huge. Um, number two for me is mansions of madness second edition it's an
1: amazing game Mm
0: -hmm. Um, again getting a lot of buzz this year or this last year the storytelling aspect of this game i liked descent i like imperial assault i love the the co-op miniatures games but mansions of madness does takes that to the next level with the Mm -hmm. storytelling ability great great app integration Exactly.
1: That I feel like the app integration on that game is the is the bar, like that should be the bar. Um, If you're not doing what that app is doing for your board game, like just pack it up and go home. Like that app is amazing.
0: And Fantasy Flight has really done well with their apps. With Descent, the Descent app was really well made um, for their first really intro into making an app to run a board game. Um, And then Mansions of Madness following that up just took it to the next level. Um, There's the rumors of the Imperial Assault app this year and whether it's going to be coming out. And I'm excited for that to see if it continues to grow on what they do with an app from Fantasy Flight. Here's
1: the problem with that is what I got told is uh, they're saying that that is too close to a Star Wars video game. Which falls too closely to other legalities. So there's not a real word on that if that app is going to come to light. I know a lot of people were excited about it. A lot of people were really, like, anticipating some of the things that would come with that. But right now, I know they're kind of drawing lines in the sand, figuring out, okay, well, how do we do this without it falling under the guidelines of a video game or a Star Wars, like, app officially? Like, mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. And... uh because that's been the problem with that one. And that's where that delay has come from.
2: Yeah. There's there's a lot of complicated legalities when you're dealing with an IP that's just that big. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why I think I try to steer, steer a little bit away from, from something that's that well-known your star Wars, your Marvel, you know, I, I would rather, I'd rather have something where I feel like they had a lot more creative control rather than, you know, you can only use these characters or, uh, you know, there's 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 certain features that you're going to have to drop because we're using that somewhere else. It's much nicer when I can just feel like this is what the this is what the designer wanted to produce.
0: Yeah, definitely. I just really the the, the thing for me with Imperial Assault is just the the step it took up on Descent. I had some issues with Descent, the way the dice worked. The I, I had a real issue with the attack having the X on it. Um, so it made you always miss whenever you rolled that X. And to me that was pretty a pretty controversial thing in the game mm-hmm. because it regularly would roll the X and then you're regularly missing your attack and you're supposed to be heroes. I like that Imperial Assault switched that up and made that X on the defender side where it's a one in six chance that the defender, if he has that die, can roll that miss. And make the attacker miss, but that's far less likely than it was in descent. So those attacks are happening more, keeps the game moving a little bit better. Minor enemies are less likely to avoid an attack, so you're regularly going to hit them. Well, I, I think I think a big, a big
2: portion of your your complaint there comes from how many of those X's you roll. <laughs> You know it's it's I, I, we're playing and I, I don't recall missing a lot of attacks but you <laughs> every other every other time
0: and that that to me kills it because i mean and i'm supposed that to be is this the, will right. hero warrior that's supposed to be awesome and every time i roll the attack i'm missing or I'm yeah. this little sneaky thief and i'm running in and i'm trying to hit this thing with my dagger and I keep missing, and that just kills it for me. Well, he's
1: missing because he's too busy looting to actually help us kill stuff. That may, like or may not be true. <laughs> like,
0: just because I set off the traps for everybody, yeah, doesn't a, mean that I was too busy looting.
2: There's a fine balance when you've got that kind of randomness. It's, you know, it's 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 nice to to have not know what you're going to do when you get into that fight, but. Uh, at the same time, yeah, you're, you you kind of threw away a lot of attacks.
0: Yeah, and so no matter who you were attacking, no matter how simple the enemy was, you always had that chance as an attacker of completely missing on every roll you rolled. And that, for me, no matter who the attacker was in the party, there was always that chance of missing because there was always that one die that everybody rolled that had the X on it. And that really her descent in my eyes. Um, and that's what they've, I, I, I feel that they've really built upon since then with Imperial Assault and the others to bring that to the next level. Um, and back to the list. Number one for me was Arcadia quest specifically. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy the Inferno. Um, I like the, the aspect of Inferno, the characters that they put into it as a Simon backer regularly getting the extra heroes, everything else, it really is a fun game and does such a great job. That's another one of those. It is a lot of fun.
1: Obviously, uh, you know, Coleman or Not is known for their minis, but man, like, just the style and the artwork. And I feel like Inferno has definitely helped... I don't know that it's completely taking out, but it's definitely helped the runaway winner. I feel like it's definitely helped with the balance of the game, because the first Mm -hmm. one really had a runaway winner situation. Like, almost from first scenario on, whoever won was set up unless something just tragic happened.
0: And there's controversy on the damnation, and, you know, it's more of a demonic kind of look and feel. But the game just plays so well, and the fact that you can play Arcadia Quest with your kid or your kids, and they stand the same chance to win as you do, makes it a a really well made game.
1: I am beaten regularly, and in fact, almost no every time by my eleven year old. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, one thing one thing that I feel like is is worth mentioning in case somebody out there is re- really thinking about. Uh, let me run out and and pick up a copy uh you know maybe maybe uh take a take a peek at some of the character art it, it is yes. it is uh it, you know i i'm a i'm a pretty i'm a pretty generous person i you know somebody has a particular art style they do th- things in a certain way uh i'm usually pretty open to that and i'm, I'm fine with that and there's nothing there's nothing really bad here but there there's a lot of uh, kind of mismatched proportions going on There's a yes. lot of a lot of aspects of some of these characters that are emphasized probably more than I think was necessary for this style of game yeah
1: I would agree with that if you're somebody who has a more uh, has tastes that lean more towards like a full armor and more f- like hard fantasy style this is not something that appeal to you the artwork's not going to appeal to you um, and the miniatures probably won't appeal to you, um, but yeah, definitely I would say, especially if you're planning on playing it with some kids, you might you might check out check it out, and make sure you're cool with the artwork.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I personally don't have a problem, you know, playing this game with kids. I don't think it's it's that big a deal. But this is the sort of thing that um, that is very noticeable, and it, it really kind of stood out. as like, well, it seems like they they maybe went a little bit far here, and I think people had some. Some similar complaints about the new Conan game, uh, which I haven't played, so I haven't I haven't really seen what that's like. But you know, different art styles, of course, but a similar idea that it might be, uh, you know, if if that's not the kind of thing that you want in your game, you might wanna you might wanna think about that. But I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it's I don't think it's inappropriate for children. That's definitely not not trying to say anything. It's just that the way they proportion some of these characters is, you know, a little bit a little bit unexpected.
0: I feel like that's the status quo though in miniatures games today. Like I, you know, most I, miniatures games that use that that y look and that well, sure. chibi look, they're all that way. They're all over, you know, proportion. But let's
2: let's compare it to Super Dungeon Explorer, you know, which is is the obvious comparison. I don't I the, I didn't have these feelings about Super Dungeon Explorer. This it didn't stand out to me and it is it is pretty much the exact same art style. And it didn't. It didn't really seem like it was. It was too far out. Now maybe with this one, yeah, they they did pr- kind of bring in the inferno theme here. So maybe they wanted to to punch it up a little bit. But it, you know, it seems uh, bordering on aggressive. And you know, again, I think it's a great game, and I think it's fine. And it's not. It's not like they're trying to tell you something that that you wouldn't want. You wouldn't want to have around your kids. But but I think I think that that art style could be a turnoff for some. You know some players and some some parents that might want to play
1: Paul would you, you want to head up your top five
2: okay uh so here i kind of I kind of have to use a little bit of a, a desert island strategy whenever I make a list like this because i I'm, I'm always thinking you know these are the kind of games that I like to play, and I'd be a little sad if I could never never play a game in this in this style again okay. um so so that was kind of my thought is if if I'm in that scenario, if I only have five games to play what what is that going to look like um so so number 5 um, I've got Shadow Hunters uh, I think this is an yeah. interesting an interesting choice it's a game I feel like a lot of people maybe haven't played uh but it's it's a it's a fun little social deduction game it's it's got kind of the the light versus the dark you have the the hunters trying to trying to root out the shadows and then you have the the variation with the kind of the third faction of the neutrals i think it gives it a lot of a lot of interesting depth for just a you know social deduction game you know that being said it is it is on the heavy side for a social deduction game. Yeah. So so the the big challenge there is can you find you know, I can find ten people to play Resistance or Werewolf or something yeah. like that. I think it's harder to get uh you know, a mixed group of people to sit down and play a game like, like Shadow Hunters and really yeah. get get a good feel for it. But if, if I've got the right group, yeah, Shadow Hunters would like be my, my, my top Hunters- for the
1: is a sweet spot for like game night at the game store, or yes. when you're going yeah. to a convention and you know you're going to have those bigger player game counts, and you know that everybody there is already into yeah. board games. I think and if you, that's if, its you sweet get, spot if you can get if you can get them away from
2: their werewolf game.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah. that's really where it if, where it shines is it's a social deduction game that works well in game with other gamers. Now, mm-hmm. my um, biggest
0: problem with it is that I don't feel like it really scales to the max of eight players well i feel like yeah. eight oh, really players it, and there's the a big there's a big elimination element too. massive mm-hmm.
2: so yeah I, I i can see that and i think generally when i'm playing it's usually a player count closer to five uh so i think it probably plays better that way there's a lot less downtime you know when I mean you have games like like a, a game like resistance where everybody's in it till the end is a little bit better in that aspect, and 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 I love, you know, I love resistance for what it's kind of what it kind of brings to the hobby as far as social deduction. I think it's introduced a lot of people to that, yeah. that style, that genre. But but yeah, it, when I when you know when I really think about how I feel about these games, uh, the idea of sitting down to play Shadowhunters is is kind of, you know, that's that there's a big drive there above other other kind of social deduction games and i had to have one i just couldn't couldn't not put a social deduction game on this list so so that's what i agree with
0: you shadow hunters from a social deduction game standpoint is a really well done game Mm -hmm. the the big the big drawback for me is that there isn't with resistance with werewolf there's that player interaction on every player's turn that is going on and to me with shadow hunters it's An interaction between the player's turn, the player who's taking their turn, and one other player, if they're drawing that green card, to figure out something. Otherwise, that's the main interaction, and then it goes to the next player. And there's so much downtime Mm -hmm. at each player's turn that when you get to that large group, you you can walk away for 20 minutes and may not even miss your turn maybe not 20 minutes but five six minutes in between each turn because it takes time to roll the dice go where you're yeah. gonna go decide yeah. what you want to do do you want to attack you know what are you learning from each person and that to me is the big drawback when you get to that high player count
2: yeah and you know and i think that that i can definitely agree with there's a lot of a lot of social deduction games that have you know, that have, have kind of handled these problems a little bit better. Shadow hunters is, is one that that I think hits a lot of boxes, but I I can see a lot of, a lot of room for improvement, you know, a lot of, a lot of places where if they could clean up some of these aspects, but keep some of the theming. And um, I I kind of like the, the dice play in that game, how it uses the one, you know, the, the D six and the D four and different scenarios, you combine them differently and, the, they, there's a lot there's a lot of room there for some improvement.
1: Um, well, yeah, this was an older game and really mm-hmm. flew under the radar. Like, the only reason I found it is I met some other gamers in another town and, well, I think you guys were both there and we played it with some people that we didn't even know.
2: Yeah.
1: And... Uh, if it weren't for that interaction, I don't know that I would have ever picked up on it. I mean, the oh, yeah. box art is not, like, it's not real appealing to look at on the box art. I mean, it, it really doesn't tell you much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the translations are not wonderful. So some things take a little bit of really sitting down and hashing them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, if this game this game is very under the radar. And so I think if you ever get the chance to hop in a game, definitely do it.
0: Yep. Yeah. And, Paul, one thing I wanted to add was Social Deduction is such a good game for breaking the ice with whoever uh-huh. you're, you're playing with. And, and Shadowhunters does it really well as long as you get somebody who's willing to d- devote the energy to really learn it. Um, but Social Deduction as a whole is such a good icebreaker when you're playing with other gamers that you don't know just because it helps to pull people out of their shell Yeah, when you're playing that social deduction, when they're trying to lie to you, and they can't keep a straight face because they're not a good liar. And you don't know them well enough to know if they're lying or if they just are kind of unsure about the game. And so it really helps to bring a group together to me.
2: Yep yeah or when you get those moments where you you judge someone because you you take a look at them and you think you you think you know them you think you got the score on them, and then you know halfway through the game they've they've been playing you the whole time and and you're just completely thrown for a loop for that so uh, that, that it gives a lot of moments there's a lot of really great gaming moments uh, you know in social deduction and, and specifically shadow hunters have really really enjoyed quite a bit.
0: One of my favorite gaming moments with a social deduction was playing Secret Hitler with a table full of people that never met at a convention and just the the fun that there was to be had learning these people exactly, and yeah. trying to figure out whose cues and if somebody was actually Hitler or anything. And it was just so so fun to kind of bring the table of people you've never met together. mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so if if there if there is a game out there that could somehow combine the the elements that I like about Shadow Hunters and put them together in something that I'd say is probably a more more well put together social deduction game like Secret Hitler, uh you know, I'd love to hear about that. Somebody somebody let me know. Cuz I I'm going to play that game. Uh so anyway, moving on, I think number 4 on my list is is not a not a big surprise anywhere. I put Scythe down. Um, this is a game that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much anti-hype. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, kind of, kind of the hipster of the group. I think it's anything that's really popular. I'm going to be very skeptical about, uh, I still kind of have reservations about blood rage, even though I, I have to admit that, that, uh, the game I think plays pretty well and it does a lot of interesting things, but, you know, Scythe was one that I, that I had had a lot of reservations about, um, but the, the theme of it and the, the artwork and, you know, even, um, you know, some of the mechanisms of the game, I just really, really impressed me with how much depth there is. Uh, this is a game that I spent, you know, I spent a fair amount of time, uh, just getting to know the solo variant, uh, which, uh, you know, on the surface, it looks incredibly complicated, incredibly thick. There's these, these special cards that, Uh, that are used for the, the automata that, you know, that kind of controls the other, the other player. And, and it's, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of things going on. There's a lot of, you know, you kind of have to get used to this complex kind of six stage process when you want to move one of the, um, you know, one of the AI components or one of the the automata. Uh, But, you know, once, once things kind of got in, you know, familiar and I got into the swing of it, and really getting used to how this this other player is playing against me, uh, you know, it was it, it's a really really interesting experience I, uh, of the games that I've, you know, that I that I've uh, tried out solo variants for. I I really do think it had an amazing just just a, the the solo variant by itself was was pretty amazing, and then uh, you know the game itself uh, you know it turned out to be really great, and the theme is I, I just. I think the theme is is something incredible kind of a kind of a swords to plowshares or, 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 or maybe more appropriately plowshares to swords, depending on how you, how you want to look at it. Uh, but it's got that kind of mentality. It's the, you know, yeah, here's your board, here's how you fight. But, um, but you know, you're trying to win isn't, isn't always about fighting. And, And for most, most cases fighting doesn't net you a whole lot anyway. So, so you know, I, I really like uh, the kind of balance they put in there.
0: That that to me was the biggest thing that I that really brought Scythe up for me was that the style of game. It's this area control, building your engine, and then but it doesn't really condone fighting real heavily. Fighting isn't a big thing that you want to go out and attack your attack the other player, and take mm-hmm. over their stuff. It doesn't really net you anything. Yeah, you know. And, and that, that me, you... was the big hit for it. And I don't like having to try to battle it out with this other player and, mm-hmm. you know, coming down to this dice roll and whether or not I'm going to be, beat him. And if I don't, that ends the game basically for me because now he's going to win. I'm just building up my engine to get my points so that mm-hmm. I can
2: win. You know, and that's a, that's a really interesting piece about the uh, – the solo variant as well is that when you're when you're playing that way, it puts you in a lot of situations where um, you know that you're going to get into a fight because the, that automata player is, is somewhat aggressive and it really kind of puts you in the mindset of, of making those calculations like, okay, if I get into this fight, what do I risk? What do I win? Potentially, what do I lose? Maybe I just want to walk away from this fight and let them have it. And these are decisions that, um, you know, I feel like I hadn't really made as much in the multiplayer game. And so playing it, playing it on the solo variant, I feel like has definitely, definitely kind of given me a lot of tricks that I hadn't had before.
1: That trend too. I've seen that in a couple games, um, more like something that would look more like a traditional war game, which is not appealing just to me. I know you guys enjoy them a little more, but things like Mari Nostrum has also done that where they've captured, it's not just a... Like you're gonna win because you took out other people. Like that could actually cause you a hindrance because while you're focusing on you know battling these other the other players, somebody else has actually you know gotten their trade up and collected and everything else and are winning and getting those points.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and to me, the the opposite side of that would be like a a cry havoc within the last year just to kind of throw something out. In that you're basically battling it out every round of that game. Mm-hmm between you and the other players. Again, an area control game, but it's area control and fighting and constantly trying to make sure that you're you're taking the best battle for yourself and that you're allocating your resources where they need to go for that battle to make sure that you win. And mm-hmm. a, a fun game, but Scythe just, to me, knocks it out of the park. and, and I, I really
2: do like... Uh, I, I, I do like any game where... Where there's a you know fighting is a central element and you can still win relatively easily without ever fighting, or, or or fighting very little anyway. I mean, you know it's it's scythe is the kind of game where it's it's only going to, you know, for most most of the time it's only going to reward you twice for winning fights and then after that it's it's almost pointless.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I really
2: appreciate that.
1: The only game I've ever heard of where they did the artwork first and designed the game around the artwork, which I, I don't know that I would recommend that as a strategy if you're trying to design your game. But that was, I think, that's a really cool take on it. Is that they did all of that first and yeah, then...
2: yeah. You know that, and that's there's a fair amount of criticism that they got from from that. Uh, you know, saying that maybe they don't they don't deserve awards for for the art if they you know if they had if they had that produced before the game itself but uh but you know the art is really it's really incredible and it's not not so much because of how good the art is but just how how much it draws you into the theme and how much it really helps tell a story
0: yeah the artwork is just hands down amazing and the idea of the mechs and how the mechs look i mean beyond just artwork on a card the art of the mech that each character has and the look and I mean you can look at it and catch different details just in each mech that are just so cool and kind of draw to you know the tractor mech is is awesome and that just brings it to another level to me.
2: All right so then number number three for me is Elder Sign. So this is a game that that uh, this is one of the one of the games that I've been playing for for a few gonna, years now. I was gonna
1: say this is this is a long love for you. You've had yeah. you've been into this game for a long time.
2: Yeah, and I, I just I you know I, I part of it is I don't I don't quite get to play it as much as I would like. Uh, you know, there's uh, people that I people that I play with that are not not as interested in in uh, a co-op. That's that's something that some some people don't want to don't want to mess with, and I try to not force co-ops on people too much because I, I I will play a lot of co-ops given the opportunity uh, but then there's the you know the uh, lovecraftian theme that doesn't doesn't quite re- resonate for everyone so you know that's that's things that that kind of make it harder to to get it to the table a little bit more as, as much as I would like even uh, but it, you know it is still something that that I, I really enjoy playing uh, you know I love the the high player count, I think it goes up to up to eight potentially and, and it and it works it works fairly similarly. It stays fairly balanced with regardless of the number of players. You do end up with some downtime if you've got too many too many people in it, but it, it still it still works pretty well.
1: I think the only thing that that people hate on the Lovecraftian theme is because it's the fad. You know, Mm -hmm. we had the the surge of zombie games, and it seemed like you could get whatever. You want a dice chucker, you want a dungeon crawl, you want a simple card game, like, you could get a zombie theme. And so now it's Cthulhu. Um, So I think that's probably the only thing. Like, I think people see, like, oh, it's this game plus Cthulhu. And I've been, I was really nervous about Pandemic Cthulhu, because Pandemic, obviously, is my favorite game of all time. Mm -hmm. And then when you add Cthulhu into it, and I'm like, this is going to be lame. Like, yeah. So I think that's probably the only reason it turns people off. And where, to me, that game doesn't feel like a Cthulhu game. It feels more like a like a mystery, like a murder mystery, which I know is still in that same mm-hmm. vein. But, I don't know, the the whole... Like in Mansions of Madness, that feels like a Cthulhu theme. You feel like you've got the Elder Gods that are coming after you and things are hitting mm-hmm. the fan. Um, where Elder Sign, to me, very much feels more... Puzzly and uh, yeah, less less about mm-hmm. the true Cthulhu lore,
2: yeah, more more about the kind of investigation side of that. And less, um, you know, Mansions of Madness brings kind of brings out the horror quite a bit, you know. And and, and I, I can't can't mention Elder Sign without also mentioning the, that that I, I have, in fact, played Arkham Horror and I have. Uh, I have some serious reservations about that game, even though it's it's you know it, it hits a lot of the same places. Uh, it's just not the same game. I, I I I've you know I've I've struggled with this for a long time with Elder Sign being one of my favorite games and understanding that, that Arkham Horror is is essentially just a heavier version of that. Uh, you know I really just don't like it as much with with Elder Sign. I always feel like. Uh, you know, generally you're you're playing the game to the end, and then with a game like Arkham Horror, it, it gives me that feeling that, you know, halfway through, three quarters of the way through, uh, it feels like the game's going on for too long, or it feels like you pass that point where it's it's unwinnable. The the solution is is pretty much done, and now we're playing this out and just kind of mechanically going yes. through it. You know, I, hate I don't that. I don't get those feelings with Elder Sign.
1: I hate the artificial draw out. I mean, that to me is the the, the the death of Super Dungeon Explorer is it was too long for what it was. And the game would be decided 30 minutes in and we would just take the next two hours basically rolling it out. Mm-hmm. And so that feeling, that will kill a game so fast in my eyes.
2: Yeah, I and mean, I think Arkham Horror may be the one game uh, above all others that I have quit prematurely on Um You know, it's it's something where, you know, you go to a game night or or, you know, some kind of an event and you sit down to to play this game and you've got, you know, you've got three hours left, but everyone's new. So everyone's learning. And next thing you know, you're you know, you're four hours in and everyone's packing to leave. And then you can just so you just say, okay well, we're here. It didn't look like it was going too good. So we're probably not going to make it or, you know, or we were doing good. And so we know it's probably going to be okay. Um so we're just going to have to call it because people need to you know people need to get home people have families they'd like to see <laughs> we have see. jobs yeah. yeah you know so <laughs> can't
1: take the week off work to finish this game you yeah have i'm, to spend the I'm next not i'm not a, tearing it
0: down oh yeah <laughs> there right. anyway, anyway, there
2: is that too but you set know up
0: i tearing down on that game is terrible
2: it is and you know and right. i'm i'm not i'm not 18 anymore so i i can't do the 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 12 16 hour uh, gaming sessions that I did then. So hey,
1: Paul, this is a podcast. You can be whatever age you need to be.
2: Well, all right then, I am. Then I am nineteen. <laughs> We've established I'm not eighteen. I am nineteen. All right. So anyway, um, number two is another another game that was an early uh, kind of an early early pickup for me, or at least early as far as my uh, my tabletop renaissance is concerned. Uh, so number two for me is Seasons. Uh, this is this is a game that that uh, has always really hit a lot of hit a lot of those kind of pleasure centers when it comes to tabletop gaming for me it's it's got the 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 bright colors i love the artwork i love the the characters in the game it's got the 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 big chunky dice that do this long complicated series of things I, i i love to explain the game to new players and explain to them okay here's this die and here's what all of these things mean and all of these little elements um, I, I love I love custom dice. I love kind of non standard dice. Anyway,
1: you cannot beat those dice. I mean, I would take those and just roll them for fun, like at work as stress.
2: Yeah. Like you cannot oh, yeah. beat
1: rolling those dice.
2: Yeah, they are they are they are really great, and I and I love that each, you know, the, the the iconography on on there tells you so much about what this die does. It tells you different things that it does depending on, you know, depending on the circumstances, and then uh, you know it, it's got it's got a lot there. But at the same time, it's just kind of simple, simple images. And and this is uh, you know, this is this is a a company that, the company that's produced this game that that I've I've come to, come to have a, a kind of a great fondness for. They they've also produced uh, Z- they've also produced Dixit, and they've also produced uh, Lords of Zidit, which is is more of a kind of a programmed movement, uh, area control sort of, sort of game. Uh, that that i that I really enjoy and it's and it 's also in the similar similar art style so so I really like that seasons also has kind of the the other side of that aside from from giving me you know dice that are fun to play with it it also has the the kind of deck building aspect to it which hits a little bit of that uh, that magic the gathering feeling for me and and being someone who who invested a, a lot of time, a lot of a lot of hours, a lot of money on Magic: The Gathering? Uh, but I've I've more or less, I've more or less committed myself to not never playing again. Uh, I really like that this is a game that can give me some of that same feeling, but doesn't re- doesn't require that I go out to the game shop and buy you know buy a couple of boosters every every day or so. This is something where you know it is what it is. I can pull it out and play it and uh you know for all the times that I've played it it's it's not getting old yet so I, I even well, I, I do have the expansions so
1: There you go. That's that's well, um I don't remember the company who does that, but that is their next idea. They need to release booster packs for seasons and uh we'll be in.
2: I think that's Lillibud. It's, <sighs> it's a French company, so that's that might not be how it's how it's pronounced, but or I may have, I may have got that wrong completely. But yeah, it's it, it's easy. It's easy to find, but yeah, it, uh, great game. I love it. Uh, so then, my my number one pick here is is probably not going to be a big uh, a big surprise anywhere. But uh, number one, I've got on my list Pandemic Legacy. Uh,
1: so you chose Legacy yeah. specifically. That's cool.
2: Yeah, and th- that 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 was a that was a hard decision for me. I feel like uh, you know it was it, it's difficult to just say you know, the the pandemic as a whole. I feel like I, I had to kind of differentiate because there are so many so many different flavors available for Pandemic. I wanted to, you know, say wh- where where's the one where I feel like they've really got it right? They really really done the 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 best as far as what I want out of Pandemic. And I think Pandemic Legacy is the one that um that hit so well. And it's and it's you know one of the big reasons there being just that the The first time you play Pandemic, you really feel the the stress of the situation. You really kind of get into it. Uh, you know, you really understand what you're trying to do and where you're going. And none of the other variations, none of the other expansions, any of that have really managed to hit that feeling harder. I think they all still have that. They all still have that the kind of urgency ur- urgency of your mission and and you know kind of draw you into the theme but pandemic legacy is the one that, that kind of hit those hit those emotions and hit that feeling much harder than the original game did.
1: All right. So, uh, that I think I agree with all of your all of your lists. I mean, we're we we play a lot of games together, so we've uh we've we we've played a lot of the, these same games.
2: Mm, it's
0: a lot um, of agreement here.
1: <laughs> a lot of agreement. No and, no, and if, no it's, if it's
0: not real real shot or real noticeable yet, we're all big heavy fans of co-op.
1: Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And I am uh, married to the people, <laughs> to the person that was uh, mentioned as not liking co-ops. <gasps> so the st-
2: Well, he's cer- <laughs> cer- people. certainly one of them. And yeah, he's, <laughs> and he's definitely a person that doesn't like co-ops and doesn't, doesn't like, uh, like anything that Lovecraft may have touched. So,
1: <laughs> yes. so yeah, the you know, I don't think I've ever real. seen him
2: play Elder Sign. I'm sure he has, as much as I've uh- forced it on people.
1: Yeah, you, you, you made him play it once, and I don't think I ever heard the end of it, so... Um, so, we've been playing games for a while. We've been playing games together for a while. Um, so, you know, everybody has those, those, those games that brought them into the fold. You know, those gateway games. You know, you love your ticket to ride and Catan and all of these things. What is a game that you used to love, and it hit your table every time you got a chance, but now... It's not getting there. Rather it's just you don't enjoy it anymore. It's just not hit the table because it's been replaced. Jay, what what is a game that you used to love that you used to love and just think it was the awesomeness and now it just sits there?
0: I mean, we've already mentioned it once. It's been replaced by Arcadia Quest and I mean Super Dungeon Explorer was such a great game. When we were getting really getting into board games, it was the first real big minis game that we really hit and just loved and started playing and then we got the Forgotten King kind of second edition of Super Dungeon Explorer and it still had the same problems that the first one had and then Arcadia Quest came along and that game's been basically forgotten at this point
1: oh yeah it I would totally agree with that Arcadia Quest is what Super Dungeon Ex- Explorer should have been. Like, I understand what they were going with with trying to capture that Saturday morning, you know, Super Nintendo dungeon crawl feel, but, I mean, like I said before, just the whole, you're, the game is decided 30 minutes in, and you're either just slaughtering, you know, everything that's coming at you, or you're just getting beat down, but it's still, like, two hours of rolling it out, and that's not even at a real high player count. Like, that, and that's where it gets a little ridiculous, is there's not really a back and forth like there is Arcadia Quest with Super Dungeon Explorer. It really does... The game is decided pretty early on, and it is rolling it out. The, mm-hmm.
0: the other thing to me that really... really kind of pushed me off of Super Dungeon Explorer SDE onto Arcadia Quest was the downtime. If you're not the console in Super Dungeon Explorer, your downtime is horrible because you play and then the console plays then the other other players play then the console in between each of them and so you play and it could be a good 10 to 15 minutes before you get another turn you got the end around you got the console moving all their minis around reinforcing and especially in that first edition it just drug on and then the game it, it makes the gameplay as a whole take hours we would do a five player game with a console and you're looking at an hour a player minimum for the game. And it just, I have a hard time devoting that amount of time to a game of that style.
1: Well, and I think 15 to 20 minutes, that's if everybody understands how everything works. I mean, how many times do we have to put the game to a stop, look up the rules and then go online and look up the errata to try to figure out how it really worked.
2: Yeah. That is, that is one thing that really frustrates me about that game somewhat. And then there are several other games that are really bad about that, where you really can't play it without looking up some of the rules. And uh, you know, the, I I have the play style where I, I really just want to know how this works. I want to make sure I'm doing this right. I don't want to, I don't want to take an advantage or give an advantage if, if that's not appropriate. Um, and this is one where you just, sometimes you end up, ha- you just have to look it up online just to, to figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm not comfortable just making up a rule on the spot with a game like that. And that, that, that takes a lot away from me.
0: SDE oh. all had such a bad problem with the rule book was just not well put together. The The first edition was terrible. The second edition got a little bit better. But the rule book was so bad, there were so many gaps that it left in there that you had to go and look up the errata. And the most recent one, because that was the one that fixed everything and had all the rules in it, but you still had to go through and find it in there in the specific spot every time because it was a different rule and i mean it just there was so many oh, yeah. different things to it that Arca- arcadia quest does so well
1: yeah arcadia yeah. quest is definitely more black and white you know it, it, it really lends itself to like here are the base rules as long as you understand that the characters will have their own unique things that may contradict those rules but overall this is what it is i mean there's no it's this if it's a tuesday and it's Mm -hmm. something else if it's wednesday which really super dungeon explorer really feels like
2: yeah with arcadia quest i hardly ever feel like uh, you know i've got these this combination of abilities because that's that's really what it's about is taking your characters and 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 making them combo in good ways And I I haven't really felt like, this is a thing I don't understand. I need to consult the rules to figure it out. That's, that's not something that really happens much with Arcadia Quest and, you know, Super Dungeon Explorer, it was every other turn.
1: That's, that's if everybody, like I said, if everybody's played and knows what's going on, if you throw a new player in there, you're looking at 45 minutes around. It's kind of crazy. Alright, so for me, a game I used to love and I played way too much of and had way too much of it is Munchkin. Um, I think initially, um, as an old D&D player, uh, the tongue-in-cheek of, you know, having a duck in a dungeon and fighting a kobold and, you know, having gelatinous cubes, like, all of this was hilarious and, and fun and it was cool to, you know, equip your character with all these ridiculous things. Um... But man, I think what I think the, I can like give you the final death of that game for me is when a friend of mine brought over everything that they owned, and I don't even know how many they owned everything.
2: It was Star Munchkin, Super Munchkin. Uh, you know there was it was everything, know, every, Ninjas, everything was, that
0: everything that was the out at the time, and yeah, it everything was everything that was out what ten years ago almost. Now. Yeah.
1: And that game was borderline, like, five hours, and everything was ridiculous, Mm -hmm. you couldn't get anything to go with anything else, nothing was comboing, and that was really, like, the death of that game, and, you know, sometimes that happens. Maybe you just have, like, one terrible experience with a game, and you're like, okay, I never want to do this again, but... I mean, and that game also has been replaced. If I want to play something more that style, you've got uh, Wizards of Skullzard, and you've got, I mean, they're just so many fun, even keeping in that tongue-in-cheek style. Um, and I'm going to throw it old school, and if I wanted to play something like that, I prefer Space Pirates Amazon Ninja Cat Girls, also a it's Steve Jackson game.
2: Great classic game.
1: Way under the radar, I feel like. Um, but, m- yeah, Munchkin has got to be my lost love, and while it like, still gets respect, we still have a copy. We have, uh, Marvel Munchkin. The kids like mm-hmm. to play it, and we have a good time with it, but I vow to, like, never buy any more expansions. We will never add to it. I don't care what cool Marvel character they add into it. Um, they can add in whatever, X- I how do we care? Like, I refuse to put any more into Munchkin.
0: You know, and I mean, think... Munchkin Apocalypse... Yeah. When
1: was the last time we played that?
0: <laughs>
2: it's 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 been a long time. And I, I, th- uh, I think a word of advice for for anyone that's uh, that's that plays Munchkin and enjoys it and and re- wants to add to their collection, uh, you should absolutely never take different sets of Munchkin and start combining them. Uh, one of the problems that that really comes up there is you really dilute the the balance of the game. So when you you know if you you pull the elf card, Um, And then you're, you know, you're finding all kinds of, all kinds of equipment for, you know, other things that aren't even, aren't even in that variant of, of Munchkin, you know, it gets really frustrating. It's, you know, or you have, you have a great weapon that only a certain person can use and and you're never going to find that card. You're never going to find that class or that race or, or whatever else. So once you, once you start mixing them, it, it really kills the balance of the game and it makes it hard to play.
1: And ultimately, any of these games, obviously, if your group enjoys playing them, that's the important thing, is enjoy having fun with your friends, playing a game. I mean, this, you go to any convention, we are in a little town in Hutchison, Kansas, and we see this at any sort of convention or game store or anything else, it is not uncommon to find people pick up Munchkin and play it. Like, it's loved by many, but yeah definitely definitely beware of getting into the the vortex of trying to get it all and thinking oh this is gonna be awesome uh if you are one of those people that feel like you want to get like everything and you want to have those cool combos definitely look at smash up um smash up is going to do way better for you it still adds the tongue-in-cheek you can have you know zombie princesses battle bear cavalry pirates and uh, that game to me has the same kind of feel and does it so much better and i don't hesitate we all know i do not hesitate to buy whatever the newest expansion is or promo or i have you know i have a problem when it comes to that game and but definitely just don't go down the munchkin hole of trying to get everything and putting it together
2: yeah or if it's if you do love munchkin it's also worth noting that there is a munchkin expansion for smash up
1: Yep, yeah, it does. Uh, they've got you know the orcs, and you can fight monsters. It still gives you the treasures and the loot that you love. Um, so that's definitely another option. Uh, m- Smash-up games are amazing because while you can buy the core set and just add in and add in and add in like I've done, or you can pick up one of the expansions and really almost play it out of the box. I, I mean, it depends on your player account. Yeah, and kind you, of... get a,
2: you get about two players that way, but you certainly can, yeah.
1: Yeah, if, so if, that, if you're interested in just the Munchkin, pick up just the expansion. Yeah, you're going to only be able to play it two players, and things are going to be pretty repetitive. But, I mean, definitely, definitely Smash Up.
0: And if you're into Smash Up... Uh... Go online and sign up, take the little survey, and get entered in for the free sheep expansion that they're releasing at, towards the what? end of this year.
1: I didn't even know this was a thing.
0: Well, that's because I already signed up for it. I oh, okay,
1: it that, <laughs> that makes sense. I'm like, how did this happen? I didn't know about that. I'm waiting for grandmas and teddy bears and rock stars.
2: So, so how, how much longer before Smash Up decides to to make an expansion where you give them money and they just dig a, dig a giant hole? Is, is, <laughs> are, are, are we getting to that point yet where they're where they're so so kind of a cult of their own that that they they're going to start doing these things? I mean it, it, the game has has shifted to a point now where they are sort of uh, pointing the finger at themselves and, and and they are kind of willing to make a joke at their own expense. So I you know I well, feel like.
1: I mean that's that I mean they had the whole expansion that it, it was it's called it's your fault and they let the they let their fans decide what was going to be an expansion. It was ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I mean and the fans came up with all of their own categories like smash up uh, they didn't age AEG is who does smash up. They did nothing but say give us suggestions and vote on the ones you like. And so we have you know sharknado now and things like that so um you know i love that i love that about ag i love that about smash up um once again it keeps that very tongue-in-cheek funny type feel and you know not so serious Mm -hmm. um but i can see where it's not going to appeal to everybody and um some of the combos distinctly do not work together and so
0: The, the good thing about smash up is it just hits so many different players it, from the, the, the heavy magic player that doesn't want to break out their magic cards or have somebody else to play magic with, you can pull them in on a smash-up game, and they're going to understand how it works with minimal teaching, and that, to me, is a big deal. You can pull in these different people that know different games, and they'll learn about that pretty quick and pick up on the game because of how it's how it's done
1: and the different i like the i like that there are so many different expansions for it so you could really pick if you've got somebody who is more into like a fantasy theme there there are smash up you know distinctly for them there's a cthulhu smash up there's pretty pretty you know smash up like there's all of these things that will appeal to just about anybody so that's that's also i think a perk is is if you don't have to worry about one theme because, you know, somebody can be turned off by a theme. Like I said, we talked about my husband, and he's turned off by anything Lovecraftian. So, it doesn't... He can play the same game as us, and we don't have to worry about him going, well, this is dumb, because it's got Cthulhu in it.
0: And I, I don't know if they're going to run out of ideas at some point. I'm sure they will. But they release... I know they're slated to release two expansions in 2017. I think that's kind of about where they're at Two a year each one having four so they're releasing about eight factions a year overall i mean there's so many different things they can do they're doing a sheep faction i mean they're, they're gonna just ramble off stuff to get what they want and there's so many things out there cultist things that are really popular in small groups or or you know in, in large groups even that they can hit on to bring that through. Oh,
1: well, yeah. I mean, if they're, I mean, you can, they really can take just about anything. I mean, if they're going yeah. to go with sheep, you can go with whatever animal to go with that, well, like, Yeah. well,
2: they've, they've got angry,
0: kinda... or angry cats and sheep. So
2: yeah, and to kind of, kind of paraphrase Stan Lee, there's plenty of other animals, so they've got, they've got a lot to draw from.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So Paul, what, what about you? You got a game you used to love?
2: All right, so, so this is, this 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 one's going to come with, I guess, a little bit of a confession. I, I may not be 19 years old. Uh, I had to. I, I reached a little bit further back. I kind of I kind of drew from my 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 formative years of of getting into getting into gaming, and there's one game that really uh, has a special place in my heart, and always probably will. Uh, that game is Hero Quest. Uh, this is a game that it's you know uh, almost thirty years now. Uh, it's you know it, it's uh it's kind of a uh, you know very very much in in the style of Descent. Uh, it, it was a game that when it came out there were there were TV commercials for it. There was a, a big a big marketing push. It's a uh, little little miniatures and you w- kind of walk them around on this board and go through a scenario that's run by by a dungeon master who's got his little, little cheat sheet on the scenario. Uh, the game I have, I've played, you know, I've played a lot of, a lot of games of hero quest. I've very much enjoyed it. There are elements of it that still, um, still kind of, I kind of come in, come into mind. The, the whole, uh, the whole fool's gold scenario for those of you that have played it, it, it. I just loved that. I loved that, that little, that little piece of that game, uh, you know being being a young kid and and playing it for the first time I thought that was just an amazing an amazing little twist to throw in there you know games today I think are are very much objectively better games than Hero Quest the the mechanisms of it had a lot of flaws there were a lot of uh, a lot of challenges there but the you know, the whole idea of I'm going to play this character and I'm going to play it through so many scenarios and as I move along I'm going to get new equipment and better, you know, better gear and I'm going to be a better character and then, you know, playing through this kind of kind of a dungeon crawl story storyline. It was really, really something that is that that kind of captured my imagination at a very young age. You know, and the, the you know, the, the little miniatures, the the gargoyle that uh that I think has is is frequently uh broken, but it was a little little plastic miniature that you had to assimilate yourself. It was it was a game that is always going to be oh, part of looking who I am back. As a gamer.
1: Those miniatures were awful. They were borderline <laughs> yeah. G. I Joe figures with
2: Oh no, G. I Joe had much better quality plastic. <laughs>
1: All right. Awesome. Um, so why? So, what would you say if you're somebody who's like, who likes HeroQuest or that was something special for you, um, what would you say is probably something that would replace that for you?
2: You know, and I think that's one of the things that has kind of presented a, a kind of a challenge to me uh, is that I think the obvious answer there is Descent, but it doesn't quite feel the same. Uh, and, and that may just be nostalgia taking over, but I think the I think the good answer there is descent is going to hit a lot of the same places that a game like HeroQuest does, and it 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 uh, mechanically works a lot better, you know, especially when you deal with the you know get get some of the app integration, it's it's a much better much better play. You don't have to have that extra player that that is kind of running the running the dungeon master for you. You can you can let the app do that, so everyone's actually playing together uh which i think has some has some advantages. So so that's that's the obvious one. I don't uh i don't enjoy it as much as i once enjoyed Hero Quest. And and that being said, i'm not particularly interested in playing another game of Hero Quest because i i you know i i think i've played it uh i played it as a child and now i've played it as an adult and i realized that there's there's a lot of a lot of holes in how that game works that that take away some of the fun. But, yeah. Yeah, Descent I, I feel is like a great what one.
0: really worked for HeroQuest was the story. And th- that's something to me that Descent doesn't really grab as well. Don't get me wrong, Descent has a, has a good story for what it does, but it's not as in-depth as what the story for HeroQuest was. And oh, especially yeah. as that young gamer, it really piqued your interest. If you had somebody that was, that was a D&D DM or somebody of that caliber really running that game it took it to another level as well that descent doesn't garner as much mm-hmm. absolutely to do
2: yeah so really i think if if i if i wanted to replace that a game that captures that feeling a little bit better for me would actually be mansions of madness and then that's kind of swapping themes there but the way that game plays that's you know i i i don't know what necessarily is missing from descent but that's what i wanted Wanted descent to play more more like is is the way mansions of madness plays and kind of the exploration and, and you know when i i turn a corner or open this room i'm not quite sure what i'm going to find there that's that's some of the feeling that uh kind of hero quest gave for me early on and and so the that that one is is my play if i really needed to play uh you know a good replacement for hero quest i'd pick up mansions of madness
1: Awesome. I, would, I will confess, uh, I'm a little bit later to the gaming uh, world, so I never played it. Um, I was an atmosphere player myself. I think that was my big childhood game that lubed me in. So, um, Well, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of wrapping it up here.
0: Thank you for joining us this month as we explore the world of board games. Please look us up on Facebook or Twitter, at Breaking the Dice and give us your thoughts and feedback.